Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. May these words, my words, become yours and speak to the heart of this congregation. Amen. I don't know about you, but growing up, my church as a Presbyterian was not very liturgical. Uh, I didn't really know about the, the, the calendar of the church, the cycle of the church year, until I went to Catholic high school uh, and became a Presbyterian. Um, <laughs> till then, it was always just Christmas and Easter. Um, I wasn't the CEO, Christmas and Easter only, but I knew just those two years of the, the calendar. But our gospel this morning reminds me and makes me think of Lent. Uh, perhaps this may sound odd, but my favorite part of the church year. That's probably the most morose and uh, part of the church year, but that's what I do for a living. So what is Lent? the season of Lent, and this, actually the entire year of the Christian calendar, mean? What does it mean to you? Does it mean giving up things like chocolate or meat on Fridays or giving up bad habits? Or does it mean reconnection? Does it mean letting go of yourself and clinging to the cross? Pretty heavy questions. Or does Lent mean nothing to you because that's a Catholic or Episcopal thing? I've reconnected to the church calendar, especially Lent, and embraced it, and for good reason. So let's look at our scripture for today from Matthew. The passage begins by breaking the common conception and expectations of a Messiah. Jesus connects Messiahship with suffering and death. And his disciples find these statements incredible and incomprehensible. All of their lives they thought of the Messiah in terms of irresistible conquest. And now they're presented with the idea that is staggering to them. This is why Peter vehemently protests. To him, this idea is impossible. I love Peter. He's very hot-headed. He loves Jesus, but he's always messing up. But why did Jesus rebuke Peter so sternly? Because Peter was putting into words the very temptations that were assailing Jesus. Jesus didn't want to die. He knew very well he had powers that could be used for conquest. And at this moment with Peter, he was refighting the battle of temptation from the wilderness. This was the devil tempting him again to fall down and worship him, to take the devil's way instead of God's. What a strange and terrifying thing that the temper sometimes speaks to us in the voice of a well-meaning friend. We may have decided on a course which is right, the right course, but which will inevitably bring trouble, loss, and unpopularity and sacrifice. And some well-meaning friends with the best intentions in the world 
try to stop us. I learned a phrase when I was young, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I've, I've seen this firsthand in my own life with struggles and in hospice. The one that tempts us to, can make no terrible attack in that voice of those who love us and who think they seek only our good. And that's what happens to Jesus in our passage. Peter thinks he's doing what's right. And that's why he is answered so sternly, calling Peter Satan. But then our passage goes into the heart and the center of our Christian faith. I read one commentator who said that if we could keep one of these sentences about taking up our cross locked in our hearts as we go out into the world, our lives, it would be enough to keep us going. This is probably one of the most famous sentences in the world. Take up your cross and follow me. And there's two things that stand out. First is the startling honesty of Jesus. No one can say they were induced to follow Jesus under false pretense. Jesus never tried to bribe anyone into following him by offering an easy way. He didn't offer peace. He offers glory. To tell his disciples to be willing to take up their cross was to tell them to be ready to be regarded as criminals and die. Honesty is the mark of a great leader. And Jesus never sought to lure us with the easy way. He seeks to challenge us, to awaken the boldness and moral courage in our souls by the offer of a way which none could be higher or harder. I like this line, he came not to make life easy, but to challenge people to greatness. Second, there's the fact that Jesus never called anyone to do or face anything that he was not prepared to do or face himself. Another mark of a leader who people want to follow. Jesus was not a follower, not a leader who sat behind the front lines directing people like pawns. What he demanded people should face, he too was ready to face. But why do I pick up a cross? Because Jesus did. Thirdly, Jesus said of those who would be his disciples, let them deny themselves. If we were to take any scripture literally, it's this. To truly follow Jesus, we must follow his call to deny our self. To follow Christ fully, we must say no to me and yes to Jesus. This will inevitably cause pain and discomfort. Paul says it eloquently when he says, It is no longer who I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You may have heard the phrase, the phrase use it or lose it. Some things are lost by saving and some are saved by using sort of like our talents. Well, ultimately, life is a lot like that. History is full of people who, by throwing their lives away, gained life eternal. Timothy, for example, who was believed to be the first martyr, God has given us a life to spend, not to keep. If we live life seeking first our own profit and comfort, And being trouble-free, we are losing our life all the time. If we spend our life for others, 
if we forget wealth, health, and, dis- and comfort in our desire to do something for Jesus and those who Jesus died for, we are winning life all the time. The real question that Jesus asks is, where do you put your values in life? Is it possible for us to put our values on the wrong things and discover too late? Is it possible to sacrifice honor for profit? Can we desire material things and not care how we get them? But the real question that will sooner or later have to be answered is, how does life's balance sheet look in the sight of God? God's the the accountant we all have to face. It is definitely possible to sacrifice principle for popularity. It can happen to all of us, whether we intend it or not. Ultimately, we all have to face the question not of what do others think of us, but what does God think of us? It is also possible to sacrifice lasting things for easy things. It's always easier to gain cheap success. It's easy to spend life in the little things and let the big things go. It may be easy to prefer life of pleasure over service, but life has a way of revealing the true values and condemning the false as years go on. And it is possible to sacrifice eternity for the moment. It would save us much to see life in the light of eternity. Many things are pleasant in the moment, but can mean ruin in the long run. That's one of the hardest things we're trying to teach our boys right now. The test of seeking to see things as God see them, sees them is the most real test. Those who see things as God sees them will never spend their life on the little things and will see things outside of themselves. So I'll start to wrap up with a quote from C.S. Lewis. He wrote, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Christianity, it's not about us. It's not about choosing a little pain on the road to an easy life. It's a meaningful exercise to remind us that, yes, we are to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Following him to the very painful, agonizing death on a cross. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because it is the thing to do. Jesus willingly willingly went to the cross for the very people who betrayed him. He instructs us to do the same. As he took on weakness and our sufferings, we are to take on the sufferings of those around us. To do this is to truly be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus went before us as the example and walks to the cross with us to share our burden. So what does Christianity mean to you? Amen.